Monday, September 21st, 2009. Welcome to the Real Marketing Bowl podcast, where we expose the scum of the marketing community. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Real Marketing Bull. My name is Bo Bennett. And I'm Ryan Levesque. And we are your hosts. Today, we're going to be talking about something that uh, is kind of important to everybody, isn't it, Ryan? It is important to uh, everyone who's concerned with Marketing Bull. And everybody who's concerned with being ripped off and scammed. Deceived. Yeah, and this is something that that is technically illegal, isn't it? Um. Yes. Yes and no. It's kind of a tricky one. That's why we're covering it here on Real Marketing Poll. Well, why don't we break the suspense and tell everybody what it is. What we're going to be talking about is best described by the following scenario. Picture a little fish, an innocent little fish swimming around in the water, enjoying the sunlight on his back fin. And all of a sudden, the most beautiful wiggly little worm appears in front of him. The fish opens his mouth says, oh, this is going to be delicious. And he jumps down on the worm and gets a hook through his cheek. Bait and switch. That's exactly what it sounds like. Mm. So in this scenario, Ryan, are we the hook? No. No, what are we, the 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 poor public? Innocent, happy little fish with a hook caught through its mouth, its lip. The person behind the hook, aren't they just trying to get a good meal <laughs> they are uh, but are you saying fishing is wrong well uh, of course here we're we're actually talking about consumers and marketers okay so let's get away from the whole thing fishermen okay but it's the the uh, it's the same same thing here bait advertising this is according to the ftc guides against bait advertising Bait advertising is an alluring but insincere offer to sell a product or service which the advertiser, in truth, does not intend or want to sell. Its purpose is to switch consumers from buying the advertised merchandise in order to sell something else, usually at a higher price or on a basis more advantageous to the advertiser. And that's one of the tough points, isn't it, Ryan, that uh, proving intent Mm -hmm. when we're saying, is, is this illegal or not? Is it an illegal scam? Or is it just something else? Or is it just some marketing, marketing techniques? <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, according to one of the articles that I read about bait and switch, it stated, when a true bait and switch scam exists, the store can be sued for fraud. However, such lawsuits are frequently not successful, uh, I'm sorry, not successfully resolved without a great deal of time and documentation uh, because it is extremely hard to prove anything. And it also notes that uh, with fine print, usually these advertisers or marketers could get out of anything mm. with the use of fine print. Yeah. And as we know, most people don't read the fine print, do they? Most people do not. And the reason this is legal, illegal uh, when it is is because it is a form of false advertising, baiting and switching. Uh, there's, there are a lot of, as you indicated, little loopholes, Bo. For example, if the advertiser is actually capable of selling the goods advertised, mm-hmm. but just really aggressively is pushing a competing product, then, you know, that's that's legal. But still, they baited you to come into the store. <laughs> Thus, marketing bull. That's right. Not yeah. a legal scam, marketing bull. Right. What about uh, loss leaders? 
the, it's, the it's lost a, leader. Yeah, it's, it's a, a related concept where you see an advertisement for uh, this product that's obviously that the company is not going to be making a profit by the sale. It's at mm-hmm. this rock bottom price. And uh, the advertiser usually would have a limited amount stocked. And the person would come in looking to make the purchase. And lo and behold, it's sold out. But we've got these great other widgets well, available. <laughs> well, that's the question now, isn't it? Uh, intent, again, do they intend to sell these on a regular basis? Or is that their intent? Well, we're going to sell like one a week, mm-hmm. even though we could sell a 1,000 a week. But we're just going to use that to upsell people on, on other items. Then that is bait and switch, a legal bait and switch, and probably if uh, with proper documentation, mm-hmm. can be proven illegal as such. But once again, where do you draw the line? Is it is it one product available? Or if what if you have 10 products or 100 products available? Right. What if you just have enough, but you can't quite manage your inventory correctly? So yes, it does sell out on a regular basis, but not always. Uh, here's, a, here's an example of that, uh, the Wii. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were looking to buy the Wii, it was still fairly popular. Uh, now, from what I understand, you could pretty much get them anywhere. Uh-huh. The, the same demand isn't there, but that the demand has been around uh, like since the beginning for years. If you wanted to get a Wii system, you you had to be like at Target or at Kmart at like six in the morning, waiting uh-huh. in line. When you knew that the shipment was coming in, mm-hmm. you had to like rush and knock down the. Uh, the, the sales clerk in, in the little electric car, the little electric scooter. <laughs> and, right. I mean, you just had to go for it and grab it. Uh, but most of these stores had the Wii package. So it's the Wii system plus five crappy games that you would never even consider buying. Uh-huh. And they sell, it, they sell it for the price of the Wii plus five games. Uh-huh. And that, that was, people saw that as like an outrage. You know, why are you doing this? So are you saying they had plenty of those in stock? Yes. Plenty of the Wii system with, with the not every games. Not every retailer, but several okay. retailers, including like Walmart, some of the big ones. Uh-huh. It's the same thing. They had, they had the packages because they knew that they could sell these Wiis, but they could sell them a lot better or, or they could make a lot more if they, if they uh, packaged it, bundled it with some crappy games that normally people wouldn't buy. Huh. And people are so desperate to get the Wii that they would buy it. Now, this is a completely different uh, ethical and and legal question, but it it does border on uh, with bait and switch. Actually, it's very relevant to bait and switch because most of the ads, like in Kmart or, or Walmart or Target or, or just name any retailer, said like, "Yes, we have the Wii. You know, the Wii is available. Come in." And then you come in and say, "Well, you know, here's the Wii, but you have to get five games." Ah, uh, bait right. and switch. Yeah. Yeah, sure is, and and it's it is true that they do have just the system for mm-hmm. like two ninety nine or whatever they advertised it for, occasionally, uh-huh. but not always. Right now, of course, there's another factor going on with with the Wii that's not necessarily bait and switch. Was that which is that Nintendo, I believe, was intentionally manufacturing quantities lower than what they anticipated. Well, the the demand. Do you know that for a fact? I, no, I don't know that yeah. for a fact. Oh, okay. You're... But that they were, you know, like holding back quantities, basically exactly. limiting the manufacturing on the front end to help build the demand. And, and that was that's one of the big questions that mm-hmm. nobody really knows the answer to, except for Nintendo. Right. Right. Yeah. Or, or if they just couldn't keep up with the the demand. Yeah. yeah. We, we don't know. Right. Now there is though, uh, there is a I don't know if you want to call it a loophole or maybe it's just a legitimate offer, mm-hmm. uh, a way to 
to have a loss-leading item or an insanely good deal, sale, for consumers. And that is if in your advertisement – see, generally it's considered bait and switch if you don't have a sufficient quantity of the advertised product to meet the anticipated uh, demand. So in the situation like a lot of words to to get out of any kind of legal mess (laughs) anticipated. Well, no, I mean, it's kind of like what you're saying. In a sense, it's uh, if Target is supposed to have the Wii for for two ninety nine and they're advertising it as such, but they don't have a a decent quantity. I mean, obviously, they know people are going to be beating down the door. What's decent? Well, I mean, you're right. It is. It's something that would need to be contested. Of what's a reason? The exact term is a reasonably anticipated demand. Right. But if the advertisement clearly and adequately discloses the supply is limited, or that the merchandise is only available at designated outlets, that's an out. Then, then they're okay. So Fine you, know, print. you could say uh, that uh, you know, limited quantities are. Limited availability, something like that. So, what you really need to do as a consumer is is look at that fine print and mm-hmm. and look for those terms. And well, most even then, I mean, the, the FTC's guidelines they don't say fine print; they say clearly and adequately discloses. Right. Of course, again, that's according to whom yeah, <laughs> and I, what is clearly and adequately. Just think disclosing. about any of the ads for this you've seen. You see them all the time, like mm-hmm. uh, like right after the dollar amount or whatever. There's a little star, and right at the bottom of the ad. In, in fine print. It's definitely fine print. It's not yeah. like microscopic print. But you could read it. It would say, like, limited offer, offer expires here, right. limited quantities, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it'll, it'll say what it means. I think the best thing that you could do in that situation is to call the store uh-huh. and say, do you have this right. before you actually come in? Now, some of the techniques that uh, some of these merchants use is they'll say, you know, just come on in. We'll talk about it. Right. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. Do you have this product with this price? And uh, and sometimes, depending on how shifty they'll get, they may say, yeah, you know, we, we've got one left. <laughs> we've got one left, but you better get in here quick. We can't hold it for you. Right. And then, lo and behold, when you get there, oh, sorry, you know, somebody came and bought it. Five minutes ago, a yeah. guy locked out with the last just, wait, one. Wait, if you could see him, he's walking. <laughs> oh, no, he just went over the horizon there. <laughs> but, you know, you're in luck. Today's your lucky day because we have this product for you instead, which is right. better, right. a lot better than what – you don't want that crappy product anyway. <laughs> Oh, bait and switch. Happens to the best of us. I thought it was kind of funny doing some research on this. I found a comedy technique that's bait and switch as well. It's defined as a type of joke where the joke is a gag that is clearly set up and then never happens. And it had a... I know this really isn't related besides the bait and switch. Right, but uh, we're not related to marketing. But I thought this was funny because The Simpsons. I'm not a big Simpsons fan, but I do watch a few episodes here and there, and this is funny. Uh... This is where the Simpsons, the superintendent uh, uh, Chalmers, I see, I don't even know his name, and Principal Skinner are doing the sketch for a talent show. And uh, Chalmers says, well, Seymour, it seems we've put together a baseball team. And I was wondering, who's on first? And Skinner says, yes, not the pronoun, but rather the player with the unlikely name of who is on first. And then Chalmers says, well, that's just great, Seymour. We've been out here six seconds, and you've already managed to blow the routine. <laughs> uh, there's a perfect example. Because you're waiting for the whole who's on first, who's on second, and then Skinner goes ahead and blows it. Right. So there you go. There's another example of bait and switch 
not the marketing bait and switch. Mm. Back to the show. Yeah, back to the. Let's to the, let's talk about some e- some examples of this podcast. I mean, of, uh, <laughs> of this bait and switch technique on the podcast. Ryan, give me an example. Sure, I can think of an example of when I was baited and switched. Oh, this is a personal example. A personal right, example. This is what we like to yeah. hear. This was uh, back when I was getting or just graduated from college, and I was looking for a job. And I'd been um, uh, searching the Boston Globe every Sunday, looking at the advertisements. That was before searching online for a job was was as prevalent as it yeah. is today. I don't know if anybody actually looks at the Boston Globe for, for jobs anymore. Especially people not looking in another market. Something like that. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I'd been seeing a lot of uh, – I think I at that point had enlisted with a, a temp agency – um, but I noticed an ad for another temp agency, and I saw this job that looked very similar to a lot of the other jobs I was interested in and applying for, uh, except it was $10,000 more per year on the salary. And uh, I said, geez, this, this looks it's amazing. Great. It fits my experience, my skills, my background, my interests, and it's ten grand more than anyone else is paying for this type How of job. How could you go wrong? Exactly. So what did I do? I picked up the phone. I called the agency, and what did they say? Oh, well, you know, that job actually has already been filled, uh, and this was like the ad came out on Sunday, and I called first right. thing Monday morning. Uh, but we've got a lot of really great, exciting opportunities we'd love to talk to you about. Do you want to come in, send your resume? I'm like, mm, not so so they, they got you. You know, they got you to call, at least. Right. They didn't. They didn't get you for the upsell. But uh, back to that question. Is that okay? If you know that you have a limited quantity, is it okay? You know, where do you draw the line? And if you if you advertise something, let's say like that job, mm-hmm. and I, I would say, here's my opinion, I would say that if you advertise for that job and that job really is available, mm-hmm. and uh, you you know what's going to go in like uh, you know like a minute. As soon as somebody sees the ad, they're going to call and it's going to be taken. Yeah. And you put it like in a monthly periodical or something where it's going to be there for a month. You're guilty. You're guilty of marketing bull. However, if it's something that you could pull, like if it's on a daily basis and you could pull the ad, especially from the internet or something, then it's fine. Put it out there while it exists. Yeah. No, I I don't. I think it's even worse than. uh, It's a worse situation than you're even giving them credit for, but or you're giving them more credit than I think you should. Which is that I think it's it is unfortunately too common for agencies to to flat out fabricate jobs that don't even exist oh, okay. to get you to send in your resume. And, uh, you know, I don't have the hard proof to say if that's what happened or not right. in this situation. But wouldn't that be considered but completely, totally illegal it, it fraud? Is. It is. But see, that's the, that's the thing is that so much of this stuff is so difficult to prove. And, like, right. you know, you read the quote before about, uh, you know, it, it, you could sue for being a victim of bait and switch, but... You know, you need all this documentation sure. and fees and whatever. It's just not worth so, it. And then, yeah. of course, if especially somebody looking for a job probably doesn't have a whole team of lawyers behind <laughs> Yeah, it. that's true. Especially at a, a temp agency out of college. Yeah. But no, you're right. That, that would go over the line into the flat-out illegal area. Right. Another moral question is the whole idea of advertising the low price, like starting at. Mm-hmm. Is, is that okay? Is that marketing bull? Uh, give me an example. Uh, iGroups. Get your own iGroup starting at nine dollars a month. When our when our biggest package, our most, I, I guess like our best selling package, it would be the ninety nine dollars a month with the most features. Mm-hmm. 
when the $9 a month is is literally, you know, a stripped down version of the $99 package. Yeah, I I think Are we are we guilty of marketing <laughs> bull? I don't think we are. It, that package suits a particular need. Um there are people who would be happy with that. Well, of course, I, I'm asking you the question, and I know the answer as well. You know, no, we're not. Yeah, <laughs> because uh, because she would have changed our ad copy by now. Exactly, <laughs> at least before this. Exactly, podcast but, went but out. it is it is interesting. I mean, the uh, the nine dollar package exists, and it certainly is for a certain market mm-hmm. uh, demographic people who need the the website for certain purposes, mm-hmm. and those who use the nine dollars are thrilled to get in to this kind of software for $9 a month and they have a clear upgrade path. Yeah, I was just going to say that that you know you could very easily start at the $9 a month level and increase as you're right. ready to, to unleash new functionality on the site. The important point is something that you mentioned out before. When somebody calls and says, "I saw your your ad or saw your website for $9 a month, you know, sign me up." You don't say, "Well, that's great, but you know what?" You know, you could do better than that. The nine dollar month package, you don't want that. Here's what you want. <laughs> if you want to be really successful. That's right. <laughs> you know, this will get you mildly successful, but if you really want to be the king of success, all the leaders the envy are of your neighborhood. Nine dollar a month package. <laughs> yeah. Are you a leader too? <laughs> all right, exactly. So that's something that that we avoid, and it, it's not it's not the bait and switch because I would say it's the bait but not the switch. Mm-hmm. We've got one part of it down. The bait is the low price, definitely, because people are attracted to low prices. Right. But we don't, we don't try to switch after you know, the, the ads come in or the calls come in. That's right. And in fact, going back to those FTC guides against bait advertising, one of the, uh, one of the no-nos that they call out is the disparagement by acts or words of the advertised product or the disparagement of the guarantee, credit, terms, availability of service, repairs or parts, or in any other respect in connection with it. So exactly as you said, if people did call our office and say, oh, I want that $9 a month iGroup, and we started to say, oh, well, do you realize you can only have up to 100 members? The bandwidth on that is really low. I mean, you're definitely going to be going over on it. Yeah, you know, we'd we'd be we'd be guilty. guilty. We'd Absolutely. be in handcuffs right now <laughs> if we pulled that kind of tomfoolery. <laughs> That's right. I got a question for you, Ryan. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's let's uh, go back to our episode on Twitter. You're on Twitter. You see this really hot chick. That's the bait, right? And she says, "Ooh, I just got out of the shower the other day, and I took some pictures of myself through the mirror. Tell me what you think." And then with a the link. That would be the switch. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's still the bait, right? And, of course, you, you, just, link, you need to switch. click on it, right? I mean, you, you have to, uh, unless somebody's behind you <laughs> watching. And then you click on it, and then it's like this whole membership form for a porn site. Uh-huh. Is that bait and switch? Of course it is. Right, because you, you, weren't, you weren't asking for that. You were asking you just for some, looking for the dirty pictures. You were just looking for some <laughs> dirty pictures, that's all. And all of a sudden, you, you, you're, you're talking commitment right. to a, a porn site, which, which no person in their right mind w- would ever sign up for. Yeah, you don't want that showing up on yeah. your credit card statement. No, at least when you just download this, some honey? pictures. Triple X Unlimited? Right, you, you can always clear your cache and get rid of all the evidence. <laughs> you know, I heard the FBI has some ways to, uh, to uh, track that, though. So I'd, I'd be careful. All right, you know, all you pervs at home. <laughs> so the, another another very common example of, of bait and switch right there for you. Right. Here's another thing that I found in the ripoff report that I have some experience with as well. Not too long ago, my wife wanted to buy a camera. 
Mm-hmm. She wanted, of course, me to buy it for her for uh, <laughs> for Christmas or birthday or something. So I did. Well, actually, I had her do all the research for it because she's the photographer and she knew what she wanted. She found a like the exact model, the exact brand, and then of course, once you have the model number and brand, every smart shopper knows. Well, you go on the internet and you do some price comparison. Right. I personally like to use Frugal.com. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, Google's attempt at at uh, getting all the the e-commerce stores together and comparing prices, and I noticed on that there's tons of bait and switch. I mean, tons of it. Every time you, you'll see like a product, uh, especially popular products like the Wii, the Wii, fourteen dollars and ninety nine cents. You're like, what? <laughs> And then you click on it, and then it's like, oh, no, well, that's for the actually the cleaning kit for it. And the, <laughs> if you want to buy the wheel along with it, it's uh, – but they got you to go to their site. I thought and you were say that's like if you buy a new house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll include the Wii for No, it's not that crazy. But it's uh, – you know it's crazy, and the the sites um, like for the Wii, it's not like that clear, like fourteen ninety nine, because most of the times you look at that and you think it's just an accessory or something, so you skip over that. But what the clever people do is they will put it to something that you would believe. Like if again, I haven't purchased a Wii in a while, but uh, if it is like one ninety nine, they'll sell it for like one fifty nine, right? Or they'll put it for one fifty nine. And then, of course, you click on the site, and you know that quantity's been gone. No longer uh, offer. It was a you know one-time deal. But they they know how to manipulate the system, so their search engines and Google and so forth pick up those prices, and they could easily get out of it by saying you know no. Right. Uh, but back to the case with the camera. My wife uh, did all the research on the camera, and she found a place in New York. It's almost all these places in New York, <laughs> like out of, out of Brooklyn or out of one of those uh, warehouses somewhere. Uh-huh. Which, which nobody in their right mind would ever travel like into that part of the city uh, to uh, to go contest their purchase. <laughs> I think that's why they put them all in in these uh, centers in Brooklyn. Or, or not to offend anybody from Brooklyn, I'm sure Brooklyn's a beautiful town. I just wouldn't <laughs> want to be walking there after dark, if you know what I mean. To contest, <laughs> exactly. The <laughs> camera you get ripped off, exactly. Uh, so uh, she she got the camera, or she found the camera for a heck of a lot cheaper. And it certainly was. I mean, it, no lie, the camera was cheaper. Fact. Here's where the bull comes in. Oh, you wanted a power cord with that. <laughs> I, I, okay, well, you have to add this. Oh, no, 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 you don't want this kind of memory. This is the only kind of memory that works with this camera. Or the only kind of memory that works well with this camera, <laughs> which was total crap. Oh, and I realized really? that after we spent like $1,000 for a 32-gigabit uh, memory card, which you know back then it was that was still you know not too off a thousand yeah like a thousand bucks for a memory card which we could have purchased at like a Circuit City before they went bankrupt for about two hundred and fifty dollars back mm. then but see that's what they do and they tell you you need all this special stuff and and they sell you and they make all their money back um, from selling you a cheap camera mm. total total bait and switch right wow not good yeah there's a so a very similar practice uh, online some online retailers do is exactly what you said this is an example here of a camera or a camcorder no battery charger or other accessories that are normally included with the item and the retailer will then uh, require you to basically make a phone call or receive a phone call to confirm your purchase mm-hmm. and they say oh this is like our anti-fraud yeah. uh, you know policy 
we, we just want to make sure it's really you ordering. And it's funny how the salespeople make those calls. Yeah, isn't it? And that's what, exactly what it is. Take the, those calls. The yeah. salesperson calls and then tells you about all these wonderful things that you're not getting with it. Right. And of course, you'd want to. I could even save you money by bundling them all into a package. Are or, you interested you in spend... saving money today, Mr. Levesque? <laughs> yeah. Or you, Levesque. Could just, you. you could just spend your 50 bucks and get the camera and not be able to do anything with it. Right. That's fine. You do want to take pictures, don't you? <laughs> right. I assume that's why you right. decide to buy the camera. Yeah. So um, how about another personal example? Oh, I love personal examples. All right. This is uh, on the car dealership front. So my wife and I had bought a Toyota Camry uh, a couple of years ago, and we were looking to buy another one because we liked the first one so much. We were replacing my car. So we went into the dealership, and you know we were excited about going back there because the first time had been a pretty bull-free experience. You know, There's a little bit of the shenanigans, but not too bad. How could bad. there not be? You're yeah. buying a used car. That's right. Well, not, not too bad. So anyway, we started talking with the salesperson, and uh, you know, we were trying to get the price on the Camry. And I, I was up front with him. I told him, look, I said, I, we talked this morning, promised each other we're not going to buy any car until we've been both to your Toyota dealership as well as the Honda dealership. We want to check out the Honda dealership. So I just want to let you know that up front, I'm not going to be buying a car until I've gone to Honda. But I, I'd like to know what you could offer me on this car. So... You can imagine where this is going. I was going to say, he probably didn't let you out of that. <laughs> he, he, he tried not to. Um, so we're going back and forth with the negotiation and talking about the price. And he kept trying to get me to buy now, as, as you can imagine. And I kept telling him, look, this is a matter of integrity. I, I, we made this promise. We're going to keep it. So make a long story short, the guy just starts going wild and offering us all kinds of incredible unrealistic deals, saving us thousands of dollars off what the car is listed for. If you bought, bought well, right then. Well, right? that's what he was trying to do. That's what he was trying to do. Um, and all, you know, upgrades, things that shouldn't have been included, and still well below the the, uh, the sticker price. So anyway, the way we left it with him was like, look, you know, we're going to keep our promise to ourselves. We're going to go to that other place. But, you know, I'll admit right now, it's you're offering me this incredible deal. Anyone, I would agree with them for saying I'm completely stupid for walking out of this and, and going. But, you know, like I said, it's integrity. So, and I said, but we will be back. If we don't see anything there that's that's equally or more compelling, then, then we'll be back here. So suffice to say, we did return an hour or so later to the dealership. We found our friend and uh, we said, okay, you know, we're back. How about that, you know, $14,000... <laughs> <laughs> you know, brand new uh, yeah. Camry that we were talking about. And, of course, uh, that deal somehow was no longer available. And I said, well, so what happened? Did you sell it? No, it's still – and it wasn't brand new. It was used. But, no, it's it's still there on the lot. Did, do you have someone else that's negotiating for it? You know, no. So you don't have any other interested buyers. You still have it. What happened to the deal? You know? And – uh and he starts talking about, oh, well, if you know, you're interested in a Honda, I've got this used Honda over here. It starts talking all these other deals. But we had even – I didn't – I left this out. But we had actually even shaken on it before we left the dealership. Ooh, that, the handshake. Yeah, the handshake that, you know, okay, this is a great deal. I appreciate the deal. I'm going to go back. And if, if I don't find something – like a human bond. Then we'll, we'll – yeah, exactly. So anyway, we ended up um, the next day having a uh, – 
person uh, in person meeting with the sales manager of the entire dealership who was uh, expressed a lot of contrition <laughs> for the whole affair. Of course, he was the guy behind the curtains putting the whole thing uh, together. Well, I, I don't know. He yeah he he claimed that um, the guy was out of line and you know whined about the fact that there's so much turnover. It's difficult to manage what everybody does and says and blah blah blah. But needless to say, we did not buy our vehicle there and uh, we have no plans to go back gotcha. so, it's a little bait and switch it certainly is all right uh, some more some more examples online that i found one is really funny one is a uh, it's a picture path to victory of like um, a basketball player making a uh, making a uh, slam what dunk. do you call those things goals <laughs> I'm not big into sports. It looks yeah. like he's about to dunk Slam the dunk, and there's some other pictures, and that's all it says, Path to Victory on there. With, like, a basketball hoop-type right. logo yeah, behind it. Yeah, it, it, it looks like a sports poster, something you'd put up in your room, like a teenager would put up in their room. And you know what it is, Ryan? Cereal. Uh, it's a Bible. It's the, the New Testament. They, were, they, they, were have, they had these at, like, a, ba- a sporting event, a basketball sporting event, and it was total bait and switch. I mean, this is as bait and switch as you can get. People pick it up, saying, "Oh, wow, it's like a program, or it's, or it's something about basketball." And it's you a path open up to the front. It's a, it's a path <laughs> to victory. You open up the first page, and all of a sudden, boom! The New Testament it's is right Genesis, right there you. in the beginning. <laughs> right. It says here uh, uh, the the uh, author of this article who who explained this. Oh, look on the bottom there. It says a sports New Testament. On one side, I don't know if that's the front or the back. Yeah. It appears. Oh, or maybe it is right on the cover. Right, a sports New Testament, like in in sp- relatively small letters on the bottom. Yeah, because you don't see that. And then it says uh, it's Bible propaganda. And then he says, "Doesn't this violate one of the Ten Commandments? Lying, bearing false witness." And then he quotes Exodus twenty sixteen: "Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor." So Ryan, as a uh, as a uh, Christian boy, what do you think? You well, think that's that's uh, whoever put that out is going to hell, or is it okay because they did it for a good reason? I've got a couple thoughts, Bo, but I, I have to tell you, I'm feeling a little bit baited and switched by the uh, the writer of the article because there are two pictures of of the cover, and the first picture at the top is all cropped so it's as cropped. to not include the a sports New Testament down at the bottom. Uh, you didn't read the text though. I didn't. I'm no, yeah. looking from across says, the room. From here it says, what does this look like? What does this look like to you? Some types of sports memorabilia an inspiration story about your favorite basketball players, some health, uh, self, uh, self help book. No. And then he says, it's a stupid Bible, which is kind of, you know, blasphemy right there. Uh, it's a New Testament to be exact. And then he kind of shows the whole picture oh, okay. of it. I see the exposing, yeah. Right, because he's trying, to, he's trying to tell you what is it. I, I think the fact that it says, I feel a little bit better about it, the fact that it says a sports New Testament, I was thinking that it's just really right. crazy. I mean, I can, I can see taking something and branding it a certain way to appeal to a certain segment of people, even if it is, you know, the Bible. But, I mean, it, it's still kind of sketchy because, as you said, that, that text is is pretty darn exactly. small. Exactly, it says a sports New Testament, and this is interesting too because I think that if this text were like a sports New Testament, like uh-huh. right, like right on the cover there, yeah, yeah, then you know, well, first that a sports New Testament, I wouldn't even know what that that means. I mean, would I think okay, it's somehow related to the Bible? Maybe it's like a sports Bible, you know, what, like the 
all the the, the basketball players and their stats and <laughs> something like that. You know, I wouldn't even think. You know, what's this thing doing at a uh, sporting event to begin with? So it's still even even that it's still deceiving. And and the word sports is conspicuously bolded in New right. Testament, yeah. is in white lettering, and happens to be over someone in the crowd who's wearing like a white, white shirt. shirt. So <laughs> yeah. it's, it's kind, kind of blends it. Like, what does that say? Does that really say New Testament? Yeah. So that's funny. And, you know, you you got to wonder, like, what does basketball have to do with the New Testament? Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. I've I've seen some, like, teenage Bibles that will have, like, a picture of, uh, you know, a teenager on, a, on a, a skateboard and, you know, somebody else doing this activity and that activity. That you could see, like, okay, so it's just saying this is a Bible for teens. And if you're a teen, you know, you're still doing these things and, you know, being a good Christian or exactly. whatever. But this is yeah, this is bull. Yeah, no one's going to jail for this, but it's certainly <laughs> no, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's certainly bull. And it, this reminds me of a uh, something that that uh, happened to me personally in seventh grade. Uh-huh. A good friend of mine said, "Hey, Bo, want to go on this rafting trip? It's a three day rafting trip down in uh, West Virginia. It's going to be awesome." And, uh-huh. and I'm like, "Yeah, you know, sure, it sounds awesome." So I went with them, and it turns out that it's a youth group trip, uh-huh. you know, which isn't bad. Mm-hmm. But like every night for two hours, we had Bible study around the campfire. Uh-huh. And from from a, a person who doesn't really come from a religious background, I felt like total bait and switch. I mean, it was he's, – he's, he didn't tell me about the two-hour campfire chats of, or about the Bible. <laughs> right. He, he, told he just me told you about, about the, the white water, water and the girls that were going to be there. Yeah, we were in seventh grade. We were more interested in the white water. <laughs> right. But still, yeah, and there were no girls. It was all boys. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. But it was, you know, bait and switch. Huh. And what I found funny here is that uh, you see this ad for Tom Cruise and his uh, uh, Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. Yeah, right next to this ad talking about, um, what's it called? What's his religion? Um Scientology. Scientology, yeah. So maybe maybe this author has uh, has other, other hidden agenda. Huh. All right, let's move away from the religion before we uh, we turn off too many people. All right, let's talk a little bit more about car dealership stuff for a moment. Found an interesting article on Edmonds uh, called "Bait and Switch: The Oldest Trick in the Book," and um, it's basically an interview. Uh, done with a few different people, one of which is Chandler Phillips, who had worked for several months as an undercover car salesman for Edmunds.com. Oh, he was a salesman? Yeah, he was a salesman. So working working at a dealership. Oh, so he gets the inside information exactly. on like, what the sales managers are That's right. Oh, that's right. That's good. Um, so, and he had a, few, a couple other people who were in the um, That would be a fun well. job, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really would, yeah. yeah. Totally, totally. Uh, of course, one of the things, as you can imagine, that's, that's common in the dealerships, they say, are the ad cars. You see the ad in the Sunday paper, and you show up to the dealership, and, well, they maybe don't want to show it to you, um, or they do have it there, but it's like the cheapest, most stripped-down version of the model, kind of like yeah. that $9 iGroup. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. They, they say, oh, you know what, uh, Mrs. and Mrs. Jackson? That car is way at the end of the lot. Let's get into this car, and I'll drive you over that, there. Seriously, they say one one case that has happened is the car being blocked in by, like, 10 other cars, so you can't even get to test drive it. Yeah. So, uh, well, why don't we just check out some of these others? Another case, they might say the ad was a misprint. Sorry about that. Oh, or, yeah, the misprint. Or the car's already oh, been sold. Um, there was a – I thought this was pretty cool. 
So this is Chandler Phillips talking. He says, one time where I worked, this is undercover, this guy came in and he wanted to buy a van that we had advertised at a ridiculously low price. I told him I couldn't find that particular van, and wouldn't he really rather look at one of our other fine models? So he said, hmm, maybe if I came back with my lawyer, you could find that particular van. (laughs) I told my sales manager what he said. They pulled out the van and sold it to him at the printed price. He got a screaming deal. (laughs) No way. Another common phrase is, oh, well, we've got many other uh, vehicles to choose from with better equipment, more options, and just a little bit more per month than the one you were looking at. Just a tad bit more. Yeah. Do you drink coffee? Can you afford to give up a cup of coffee a day for these extra features? I'm (laughs) sure you can. And, of course, uh, another way they they bait and switch you at the dealership in a little bit different sense is the, the whole switching of the salesperson that you're dealing with. Oh, well, let me have you talk to the sales supervisor. Well, let me have you talk to the sales superintendent or the sales administrator, the director of sales. Let me have you talk to super, super, soupy sales. (laughs) He's the guy you want to talk to. And obviously what they're doing is just trying to wear you down physically and emotionally and hoping that you just finally just sign the damn paperwork to get out of there and get your car bought and done. Yeah. What a a rough process. Mm. If I never have to buy another car again, I'd be happy. Uh, but I like the new cars. Everybody likes new cars. Yeah. All right, another bait and switch that's pretty darn common is the mortgage industry. You see it all the time. Like a first-time home buyer or some advertised rates, 4.875, 30-year fixed rate. You know, guaranteed. No uh, approval necessary. And then, of course, in the fine print it says, uh, you must be approved. <laughs> like, total contradiction. Right. And this is, of course, like these ads, what they tell you in the fine print is, well, this is just if your credit is good enough. If your credit's not good enough, then you're going to have to pay a little bit more. The rates aren't going to be as favorable. So how how if no approval is required, how are they going to find out if your credit is good enough or not? <laughs> that is a good question. <laughs> Give them a call and try to find out. Find out. Okay, here, just give me the loan right now. Well, of course, we can't do that. You have to fill out this application. Maybe once you fill out the application, they say, oh, there's your information. Well, we tried to run it through the bank, and unfortunately, you don't have A++ credit. You would just have A++ credit. Oh. And that's that's not what this ad and this price was about. Sorry, Johnny. Yeah, so you're going to have to pay a heck of a lot more. And boom, they got you. So be careful, especially looking for those ads i mean all over the internet about mortgage rates and i mean t- everywhere like the the fixed rates first time buyer no credit required uh, they're everywhere and a similar similar ad is the insurance like the car insurance same thing there's a lot of this going on in the car insurance because the advertised rates and the deals that they they show you and they advertise are for like the perfect candidate Mm. which almost all of us are not. Ooh, you mean to tell me that you once got pulled over when you were 16 years old? Ah, oh, sorry, you know, that's not going to work. All right. And, right. But this will work. So they'll find anything to get them out of the loop. And they could do it because they, they have like a little fine print that says, like if you read down after like page 426, you'll see exactly where it says they can get out of it. Right. Mm. Not good. Bad stuff. Is that more recent example uh, from Dell. Dell, the computer maker. Oh, yeah. I know yeah. Dell. Yeah. 
This is uh, just going back from an article on September 16th that the New York Attorney General's office filed suit against Dell in 2007 for luring customers with low interest rates on new computers and then hitting them with a higher rate. And that's that's a form of bait-and-switch we hadn't talked about yet, which is bait-and-switch post-sale. So you close the sale under one uh, scenario or, or one promise or understanding and then switch the deal behind the scenes after you've already paid and, wow. and the sale's gone through. Uh, Dell did deny that they performed the bait-and-switch but uh, nevertheless, they're going to have to come out with uh, $4 million in penalties and damages. And uh, Attorney General Andrew Cuomo says that they now have to fully disclose the terms and conditions of their products and services to avoid similar situations. So even big, high-profile companies like Dell. In fact, I mean, a lot of these situations are high-profile companies. Well, I'll give you another example that's even more high-profile than Dell, and Ooh. that's the United States Red Cross. You know them, right? Yes. They've been around since, I think I read, like 1880s. Wow, really? Yeah. I mean, they've been around for a long time. And you think of the Red Cross, you think that they do a heck of a lot of good stuff for a lot of people. And they do. Uh, but there's they have a long, dirty history that... Tainted blood? Oh, yeah. That's uh, <laughs> swept blood. under the carpets dun, for the dun, most dun, point. Dun, dun. And uh, one recent example is, well, fairly recent, is the September 11th donations. After the tragedy on September 11th, they set up an account uh, that's called the Liberty Fund. And the Liberty Fund was what everybody uh, everybody was under the impression, and with their advertising and their campaigns, that their Liberty Fund goes directly to the victims of the September 11th uh, bombings and and, uh, tragedy, let's say. Unfortunately, the uh, the fund itself, well, uh, the fortunate part is they raised $564 million, which was a heck of a lot of money, and that's in a, a relatively short time, but distributed only $154 million to the cause. Mm. And uh, a representative from the Red Cross said that their, uh, the rest of the money is going to be put aside for other purposes that the Red Cross deems necessary or sees fit. Hmm. So what they're doing is they were collecting all this money from people who felt that they wanted to do something for the victims and they wanted to do something for September 11th. And, and as they're, you know, they, you just kind of feel like, hey, I want to do something besides like light a candle. Uh-huh. You know, what can I do? And the Red Cross came out with a solution. Here's what you can do. You could donate to us, to this fund. And uh, so people were dishing out money left and right. Little did they know that only one quarter of the money was actually going to that cause. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, this 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 came out like I guess um, you know it, it was in on CNN back in uh, November of two thousand one, but it it really wasn't you know that big on the headlines. And this is the this is the case that we had with uh, when we were talking about the. Um, the donations at the counter, the checkout counter. Okay. The, the same yeah, yeah. Philosoph- philosophical uh, question that we had was, wait, well, what's our goal here? Are we going to talk about this to discourage people from donating? Mm-hmm. Or is it better that we just shut up and, and keep quiet and move on to another topic and let a few people get pressured into donating because it's doing more good than it is you know, not? Mm-hmm. And I think that was the issue with CNN uh, with uh, with the media in general and this whole Red Cross scandal, as many people were labeling it. 
Uh, it's better just to let, let's not put it on a headline. Let's not make a big deal of it. Let's yeah. kind of bury it somewhere so people are aware of it. We've done our journalistic duty, but we still want people to donate to the fund even if one quarter of their money is going to the cause. Right. And, of, of course, the money was going to other worthy causes, but it, as you say, not the as cause that, that the donator it. thought right, it was exactly. going to. But uh, I think another factor and maybe why this didn't get as much airplay at the time was I mean, the country was really still reeling. Um, that, that was less than two months after the September 11 attacks. Um, and, there, you know, still just uh, the World Trade Center was practically still smoldering, you know, yeah. uh, if I don't know if it literally was, but it, I mean, it was smoldering for a long time after. Right. Um, so, you know, that was still a huge story. Right. You didn't. That's right. Something that you didn't want the country to be focused on. Yeah. So what else we got, Bo? Uh, that's all I got, Ryan. That's all you got? That's so, all I got. That's all right. All right. That means uh, that means it's the end of the show, folks. If you do have any listener feedback for this show or any others that we have done, feel free to contact us. And you could do that by going to realmarketingbull.com. You could post on our blogs. You could send an email to podcast at realmarketingbull.com. Get us on Twitter at real marketing or no yeah no yeah just marketing bull sh <laughs> marketing keep bullsh. off the real marketing bull sh so don't keep it real yeah, don't keep it real not on twitter and they could call too what's that number ryan one triple eight four five one eight eight six two all right and don't forget to check out our website that is kind of sponsoring this podcast and that is igroups.com i-g-r-o-o-p-s.com we'd like to thank them for their support Thanks, Ryan. Thank you, Bo. Appreciate it. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time on Real Marketing Bowl. Bye-bye. See you.